I have always wished that my Spanish was better. Living in Southern California and going to Mexico a lot for surfing, weekend trips, stuff like that, it's just very handy. I took three years of it in high school, but I really didn't learn that much from the books. I basically only got really good at asking various types of people where the library is located, which turns out to be not a phrase you use that often when you're on vacation. Rosetta Stone is a much more organic and easy way to learn a new language because it really immerses you in that language. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop, and also it has an app. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Like I said, it's fast language acquisition because it really immerses you in the language. There's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. They also have speech recognition features like True Accent, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's also an amazing value. They offer a lifetime membership, which includes all 25 languages, which is perfect for any and all trips you might have in your future with various languages you might want to learn. Don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, other world listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com otherworld today. This episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry sent me a razor starter kit recently to try, and I put it to use very quickly because I keep myself clean shaven. In fact, I pretty much shave every single day because I have lots of facial hair. It grows back very quickly, and it's also really thick, and it hurts a lot when I shave normally, with a bad razor at least. So I've been using Harry's razors for like a week now. They're very nice. It's a five-blade razor, and I have to say, it really does effortlessly shave through my normally very annoying facial hair. It doesn't hurt one bit, no tugging, anything like that. And it stayed sharp the entire time as well. I'm very impressed so far. It also has kind of a good weight to it. It's like heavier than normal. I don't know. It's like, it's just got a good weight to it. I really like that. I didn't know I liked it before, but now I know I like it. I also really liked the shaving cream just because it smells really good. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by questionable shaving products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. Harry's has a customizable delivery option for scheduled refills as low as $2, half of what you pay from other big brands. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com otherworld. That's harrys.com otherworld for a $3 trial set. Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. Before we start today, I just want to acknowledge that this is the 50th episode of the show, and it's also the one-year anniversary, which is very, very hard for me to believe. A year ago, I was posting the first episode of Otherworld thinking that it would be six episodes long, like a mini-series, and I had really low expectations. Here we are a year later, and I guess I just never stopped making the show. I forgot to stop, and I'm not going to stop. That is because of the incredible response it's had, and I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who's listened this last year. I'm so grateful, and I can't wait to see where the show goes in the future. With that being said, we have a huge month coming up. 
We're going to be doing way more episodes than normal. Not only that, I have some very special episodes, some that I've been working on since this show started a year ago, and I can't wait for you to hear them. This episode is a story that comes from a girl named Allison. She had an extremely rough upbringing. Her dad bought a strange old house that he planned to fix up himself, but he fell off a ladder and broke his neck. He survived, but was never really the same. And I think that was kind of a turning point for the worse with her family, setting things into motion that had a ripple effect on everyone's life. Not only did she grow up dealing with very poor living conditions and abuse, the house itself where she lived was a really scary place and it got worse over time. In fact, some of the details of this house sound like they're pulled straight from a horror movie script. And I would question them myself if she didn't send me a folder full of photos and videos of the property. For instance, in her childhood room, there was a trap door that led down to a hand-dug tunnel in the ground, a giant open pit that everybody was too afraid to go down into. This is something that was in her room. This is the type of stuff that most people have nightmares about, especially kids. It's something that you imagine or dream about. But for Allison, the nightmare was her reality. Something I've noticed while making this show is a correlation between real-life negative turmoil and paranormal activity. It's kind of a chicken and an egg situation. And this story is an extreme example of that. Typically, when you hear stories like this, it's about a person who went through a dark time in their life and experienced some strange paranormal things within it. But in the case of Allison, she was sort of born into it. And she didn't find a way out until much later in life. I'm going to let her take it from here. This is episode 50. The title is The Pit, Part 1, and you're listening to Otherworld. Hello? Is this Bobby? Yes, it is. At, at its core, the science, you can't argue with. It's so a story about all of a sudden. up in the sky. It's almost frustrating that it's happening. I'm literally, I'm going to die. I've got like, its okay. limbs were just like wrong. It's just Everybody moves back into the light, even if it takes them a minute. notebook here just in case I okay well my name is Allison Hellman I am from a small town in northern Utah and that's where I was born and that's where I'm currently am at the moment as well I want to say my first experience with the paranormal probably happened the second I was born I was a home birth so I was born in the living room of my dad's house and that is the house where all of this occurred and so it's interesting, like, my first breath was in the breath of that home. And I, I don't know, I've always thought about that as, I don't know, I just feel like it's been affecting me my whole life. One of my very first memories was, I think, of a paranormal experience. It wasn't at my dad's house, but I think it was during my parents' divorce. We were staying at our friend's house, 
She had an exchange student from South America who was babysitting me. And all I remember is being in her basement, which was cursed, truly. Like, I still, if I ever went over there today, I wouldn't go down there alone. But all I remember is being young enough, I'm pretty sure I was like three, maybe four, and she was holding me in her arms, like cradling me, and I was sobbing. And she was just saying, it's okay if you ever see anything like that again, just say, I'm scared of you, will you please go away? And that's one of my first memories. And I actually used that later on at my dad's house, and I'll tell that story in a minute. But yeah, that's just like, I. that's why when I say I feel like I've been exposed to that my whole life, I really, really do feel that way. Like it's been pretty constant <laughs> until I got older and I could start putting boundaries up in my own home and spaces and stuff. But anyway, and I never forgot those words, obviously. I still remember them over 20 years later, but I, I couldn't even begin to tell you what I saw in there. So my dad was always, or I guess he still is, a very creative man. He's extremely, he's very, very smart, but he's very antisocial. We're like, he is not good around other people, but he like built our house with his own bare hands, basically. So when, in the 80s, he was going to college and he, this was back when you could buy a house for like 75 cents. And so he bought a house when he was going to college because he could afford to do that. And it was it was pretty run down. It was, you know, green shag carpet, wood on the walls, like orange kitchen, super 70s. And it was kind of falling apart. And so when my parents met and got married, they had my brother first and they wanted to make the house bigger. And so he was like, I'm just going to build half of a home right next to this one and connect them with a sliding glass door. And then once that's finished, I'm going to tear down the old house and then build the second house of this brand new home where this old house was. So that was his plan. And by all accounts, it was going to plan. Like he got the first half of the house almost built by the time I was about eight months old. And that means... I mean, if you can picture an unfinished basement, that's basically what the whole house looked like. Like, it had heating and electricity and plumbing and, you know, insulation. But other than that, like, it was cement floors, plywood uh, stairs, plywood on the upstairs. At best, there was drywall on the walls, but some of the walls still just had insulation falling out of them. At least this is how I remember it because it sat like that for years. When I was eight months old, he was climbing up a ladder to work on the roof and it was muddy that morning because it had rained the night before and he slipped on one of the top rungs of the ladder and as he was falling he reached and grabbed some boards on the leaning up on the side of the house but what that did was flip him over and he landed on his head like this and so there was no bend in it in his neck or else that probably would have killed him instantly but because he landed straight down on his head it just blew out c1 completely and like really messed up his neck and so but they were able to pull bone from his hip and put that in his neck to this day his entire neck is completely fused like he can't turn i've never seen him turn his head once in my life um and what's so sad is he was such an active person like he rode his bike across the country before my parents met and he was like building homes he was you know fixing up antique cars but after his injury he couldn't really do that much anymore And I think that's kind of when his, 
he started to get worse. He started to get a lot more dark after that. Um, my grandma, his mom says that he was born angry and he always had issues. And my mom says that too, but after he broke his neck, they got a lot worse. I guess this is kind of where the stories begin. Before my parents' divorce, when I was three, my mom and dad shared the bedroom nearest to the entryway. And my mom recalls waking up in the night and seeing different entities in the room. Two specifically. One was a little girl with long black hair. This girl had like a really menacing, angry grimace on her face and would throw what my mom described as marbles at her. Uh, my mom saw her a few times, and this is the scariest one for me. She woke up and saw a man who was dressed in, like, kind of colonial-era clothes, but she thought he was a priest because he was kind of dressed like a priest, but a really old-timey priest. And he had these bright red eyes and platinum white hair and was just glaring down at her. When she tells that story, she still, it still gives her the heebie-jeebies. Like, she said that he reminded her almost of her uncle, who was a really bad man, and she got that kind of energy from him. When we talked about this a few years ago, she told me that there was one corner in the room in particular that was bad and I immediately jumped in and said oh the back left corner and she was like yeah actually how did you remember that and I was like I don't know I just as soon as she said that it just popped up in my head as the back left corner of the room she also hated this the, the furnace room which wasn't so much a room as it was like a furnace pit because it was a hand dug hole under the floor and it was accessible through a trapdoor, which was, I actually didn't know this, it was underneath the carpet of my brother and I's bedroom. And she said that the energy that she got from this trapdoor, this pit was so bad and so menacing and so dark that she, she never went in there. And even when, you know, my dad was, like, tinkering down there, like, she couldn't, like, bring herself to ever go inside that pit. It was a whole... It was, like, so you'd lift up the carpet in our bedroom and then lift up a trap door, and there was this, like, hole in the ground. I don't think it was super deep, but in there, that was where the furnace was kept for the house. And so if any neat work needed to be done on the furnace, you would have to jump into this like pit in the ground, which is like the scariest place to put a furnace. I don't know who decided to put a furnace in a hole, but that's what they did. So I, I often wonder how much of these spirits or these entities are actually like connected or how if it's just like a cesspool or of just different, like a conglomeration of just different things because we very rarely saw the same thing. My brother, when he was six, I was about three or four. We were sharing bunk beds in that room that was right above the furnace pit. And he turned over and looked out of our open bedroom door 
into the hallway and he remembers seeing this spiked black humanoid creature walk past our door he described it as having spiked hands spiked elbows spiked knees spiked feet and a spiked head and it it just slowly walked past and just disappeared through the wall he drew it for me later when we were teenagers because we were started kind of talking about our experiences there and that's what he he drew it for me and I sent you that picture so I mean I don't know what your thoughts are on that but I mean my thoughts are that somebody sent me like almost the exact same drawing before yeah no ew what really yeah I actually texted it to them did you hear the episodes the man in the hat it was episode three and four I think or four and five yes one of them drew something that they saw, I believe, and sent it to me. And I just remember it looking very similar. I'm trying to find the picture right now. What did he say about it? Did he say it had a texture or anything? I think the drawing is the best way to describe it because it was a shadow. But I think he does have texture in that drawing. Like it has, I'm, I need to pull it up and look at it. But that would be the 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 closest thing you could get to understanding what he saw was what the drawing that I sent you looks like. But I mean, he was, he's 29 now. And so that happened when he was six years old and he's a very, very science minded guy. And so I think as he's gotten older, he started to question a bit more what he saw, but also with all of our combined experiences, it's really hard not to believe everything that happened. And so those are just kind of what my mom and my brother experienced in that home. I'm certain that I did experience stuff, but I was too young to remember. It's really isolating because it's not something you can really, I mean, you can tell people about it, but, and I definitely did non nonchalantly tell people about it when I was a kid and I didn't have those like social boundaries of what is like generally okay topic of conversation. I don't know. I didn't realize it wasn't really normal to be so terrified to go to sleep every night. Like, I I never had friends over growing up. Like, I remember the last time I had a friend over to my dad's house. I think I was in, like, second grade because that's when I started to notice that how uncomfortable my friends were there. He's also a hoarder, too, so it's just there's stacks of things just lining, you know, the walls and, like, papers, and it was just dirty, and I was so young, I I didn't really understand that how unsanitary and disgusting that was, and I don't know, even to this day, it's still... I am still very particular about how my home looks when I invite people over. I, I'm still afraid of the dark. Like, I can't sleep without a nightlight. I'm 26 years old. Like, um, I actually just bought one that I can use when I travel in case I'm sleeping in a room that's dark. Uh, I have to be able to see everything at all times. I can't. I don't know. It's it, it still surprises me how much it affects me to this day. But the best word I can say is it was really isolating I, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go back to being a teenager. So my parents got divorced when I was three. And my mom initially just moved a block away, just literally down the street. There was a small house for rent, and she rented that. And so it was really nice because my brother and I could just walk back and forth when we wanted to. Like Her house, like when she started having her own homes, were always very 
they were very safe. And she believed me when I would tell her I felt uncomfortable. Like she's a massage therapist and she's also an energy worker. So she always believed me. And I would oftentimes go back to her place just like really upset because of what I saw. And she would help me work through it and like, you know, cleanse me. And that was really, really nice. I'm, I honestly, I don't think I'd be alive if it wasn't for her. I really, I really, I really don't think I would be. But anyway, and so that's kind of when we were able to start splitting our time between our parents' houses and basically had a safe place to go to. Because it, it also, at this time, my dad, as he got sicker and he stopped being able to do as much, the energy being fed into that place was only getting worse. He was in so much pain all the time. He was on a cocktail of medications. When he was angry, he would just lash out in ways that were so scary and unpredictable. And he claimed that he wouldn't remember it. And so it turned into this narration of I was just making it up for attention when in reality it was something that was happening like all the time. He would have what I like to call little tantrums where he oftentimes it was he couldn't find his wallet or his car keys. And, you know, instead of just like throwing pillows in the air like a normal frantic person trying to get somewhere, he would like push over dressers and like flip tables and throw whatever was in the way at the wall, whether it was a kid, a dog, or a chair, like he would just, it didn't matter. He would just like, I don't know, just, you just have to get out of his way. So, I mean, I think I was eight when this specific time happened, but I remember locking myself in the bathroom the downstairs bathroom and I grabbed all the dogs and cats and I shut the door and locked it and I remember I was just crying and all the dogs and cats they were I mean I was hugging them and they were shaking too like they were so scared and then finally I I heard him slam the front door and peel out of his driveway and when he was angry he would floor it so he would drive like 50 or 60 down residential streets because he was so mad and take turns really sharply so I could hear him like drive down the road and turn away I called my mom and was like begging her to come and get me because I was so scared. But she, and I didn't really get the politics of it at the time. Now I do more, but she was like, I can't do that. Like, it'll just make him more angry. And so like, you have to stay there. Like if I took you to my home, like he would come over here and I don't know what he'd do. That's kind of why it started. Like I couldn't necessarily escape when the really bad stuff started happening because it would make it worse. All right, everybody, we have to take a quick ad break, but we'll be right back with the rest of the story. So hang tight. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like you just need to get something off your chest? Contrary to the belief of, I think, every single man in my family lineage dating back to the hunter-gatherer period, bottling things up does not work. When you push those things down, it begins to build up and negatively affects you. And of course, The stuff you bottle up always finds a way to come out eventually, usually not in a very good way. Therapy is a place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. There's a reason people say it's like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders afterwards. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you could switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp, 
betterhelp.com slash otherworld today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash otherworld. Hey, Otherworld listeners, I'm excited to tell you about a show that I love and I think you're going to love as well. It's called Sophia with an F, starring Sophia Franklin. This show is about as different from Otherworld as a show could possibly be, which is why I think many people were very, very shocked when I got invited on as a guest around Halloween. It was really the crossover that nobody expected. I'll never forget the day my episode came out and every single one of my college-age cousins texted me all at the same time. Very confused, but also very excited. It was nice to hear from all of them, though, and uh, finally get some respect. I had a great time on the show. Sophia is really down-to-earth, which is why I think her interviews are so good. We talked about Otherworld, the paranormal, getting into this whole thing unexpectedly, as I did, and a lot of other stuff that I think normally does not get discussed on Sophia with an F. Normally in the show, Sophia Franklin goes deep on sex, life, mental health, relationships, and everything in between. You could get Sophia all to yourself every Monday for solo mini episodes and every Thursday with her ride or die best friends, experts, and some famous guests on a host of other topics, topics that are not safe for the dinner table, from foursomes and sugar daddies to wild sexcapades and tips for keeping things fresh in the bedroom. It's raw and laugh-out-loud funny, no borders and no filters. My personal favorite is the episode with Waka Flocka Flame, if you want somewhere to start. Listen to and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Springtime is here. I've recently had all of my windows open, letting in the breeze, the smell of fresh flowers blooming all over my neighborhood. This is what a house should smell like. It should not smell like your cat's litter box. Thankfully... Pretty Litter makes that very easy. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra-absorbent, lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. It also gives me peace of mind knowing Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like urinary tract infections, kidney issues, and more. This is especially useful now that my cat is hanging out constantly by our screen door, getting visitations from coyotes, raccoons, squirrels, other cats, who knows what else. So it's very helpful knowing that if he picks up anything weird from them, I'll notice right away in his litter. When I first got my cat Merlin, I tried using the cheap cat litter that comes in those huge giant bags from the pet store. That stuff is awful. Some of it smells worse than the smells it's supposed to be covering up. It does not have to be like that. There's a better way to live. There's no reason for your house to smell like your cat's litter box. If your house smells like a cat's litter box, that's on you. That's not on your cat. Pretty Litter is amazing. You should give it a try. Go to prettylitter.com slash otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So at this point, when I was like about six years old, we moved permanently into the extension home, which was again, just half a house. So my brother and I, we shared a bunk bed in what was supposed to be my dad's office. So it was this like skinny, like this small skinny room on the side of the house. And then downstairs, you know, you walk in the front door, there's a set of plywood stairs that would take you up to the upstairs. But downstairs, that was supposed to be the garage. And so it was cement floors, and that's what ended up being our living room. And so there were just wires coming out of the ceiling um, and just, like, a couple lamps and drywall coming out of the walls in places because he never got around to putting up the drywall. Plywood floors in the kitchen, plywood stairs leading up to the floors in the kitchen. It's just the most unfinished home you can think of, basically, and it just kept deteriorating over the years. This is kind of where my stories, where I start to remember the things that happened to me in this home. I think the first one I remember was I rolled over one night and I saw the silhouette of this really tall, skinny shadow man standing right by my bed. And again, like this was a skinny office room, so it was like a couple feet away from me was where he was standing. And I remember... Even at this young age, like seven or eight, just thinking like, I'm not asleep right now. Like I remember actively like moving my hands, like looking around, like feeling being like, I know I'm actively not in a dream. Like I feel too awake to be in a dream. And looking at this thing and then looking away and then looking back and it was still there. And that's when I flash back to the exchange student cradling me in her arms saying, If that ever happens, just say, I'm scared of you. Will you please go away? And I did. I did say that. And it it did actually go away. And I remember just being scared and, you know, kind of shaking and then falling asleep. And that was my first experience in that home. But, I mean, sadly, I think that was probably the most chill experience I ever had in the home. Because that kind of theme persisted throughout my years there where I would wake up and see a shadow standing by my bed. But as I got older, they got more aggressive. And so they would start like lunging at my face. I remember being little and having these reoccurring nightmares. It still gives me the chills. Um, Of standing in my dad's kitchen facing the freezer. And this was like first person. So I was seeing it out of my eyes. Like I wasn't watching from above. I was watching it out of my own eyes. And I would just be standing there and I would suddenly, a chill would kind of come over me. But I I even, in the dream, I even remember it being daytime when this happened, which I don't know why, but that made it scarier. Because to me, it was like it, it wasn't just night. Like you shouldn't just be afraid of the dark, I guess is how I interpreted that as a kid. Like you should always be afraid. And... I remember watching, like looking at the freezer and all of a sudden I would get chilled and my body would kind of freeze and this deep voice would say, 
I see you, and start chuckling menacingly, and that would get louder as it entered through my chest. Like, I couldn't see it, but I could feel it, and my body would start, like, shaking and convulsing. And then, you know, in the dream, I would start screaming, and then I would wake up. I had that dream a few times over the years. Um, And even at that age, like, I didn't know what possession was. Like, I never... I didn't understand that that's what that could be, like, signifying or, you know, an attachment or something. Like, I just had no clue. Of course, you know, when I had nightmares like that, I couldn't go to my dad because you can't really get comfort from him. I would sometimes get so scared at his house that I would want to, you know, sleep in his bed. But if he didn't want me to sleep in his bed, there were these dog beds on the floor at the base of his bed. And there was, like a summer where I think my brother did too, where we slept on the dog beds at the base of his bed because we didn't want to be in our own room. So as kind of the years, you know, start to go by again, you know, it wasn't necessarily a happy place to live. Going home from school, it was always, how is dad feeling today? You know, how much can I say? Like, can I say I'm hungry right now? Is that going to trigger something or is he going to be super fun and is he going to take us to the pool you know so it was just a full like pendulum of am I about to get like shoved into a wall or am I about to get taken to get noodles at my favorite pasta place I basically learned that I couldn't really go to him with this stuff because in the past when I tried he would often just discount it. So I I do recall a few times being like, this is something that just happened to me. This is something scary. And he's just so just like, you know, like, oh my God, your mind will make you see crazy things. Like I've woken up and seen angry faces grimacing down at me, but I think that that's just my brain. And I was like, you've seen that. So he's seen stuff too, but he was telling me that in a way of like, well, I've seen it, but it's not real that he won't believe that. It's it's very... And, you know, uh, he would get angry too, you know, especially if I was afraid and especially if I mentioned I wanted to go to my mom's house. Like, that's when he would get really scary. Like, he, he, he liked to throw things, so it didn't matter what was in his hand. Like, he would... He threw... He broke so many cell phones in the years that we were you know, living together because he would just throw whatever was in his hand just at the wall, usually like towards me, but like he would miss a lot. And so like that's, like I would be like, can I have the phone to call my mom? And he would just like chuck it at me because he was so pissed. But so that kind of anger would come from me being scared and wanting to leave. And so again, you you just learn not to talk about it. Before I get into the really, you know, the events that made me leave the home for good, there were a couple other really key moments that happened um, before the age of, like, 11. One was after so many years living in the extension, my dad decided that we should tear down the old house, that, like, the original plan. Like, he, I think he was determined to actually follow through and build the rest of the house, but that never happened. So we did tear down the old house, and it was. I remember that was— that was really fun. Like, show me the kid who doesn't want to put a sledgehammer through a wall. Like, it was a great time. You know, I got to, like, use a Sawzall and just, like, because he would let us do anything. And so we were, like, cutting up stuff. It was so fun. 
Um, you know, I remember finding, we would find like newspaper. I want to say one was like an obituary section in the wall, which is the creepiest place to put obituary section. <laughs> so I always wondered what that was about. And when this house was torn down, the trap door that led to the furnace room was taken off, which meant that there was just a pit in the ground. And at this point, my brother had one of his friends over. They were about, I want to say maybe like 14 or 13. And I was, I think I was 10. And a can of soup had rolled like Chef Boyardee style into the hole in the ground. And my brother was like, hey, Allison, like, go down and get that can of soup for James, his friend. And I was like, no, I'm not stupid. You're going to lock me in the hole. And he was like, no, 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 I promise. Cross my heart, I won't do that. And so I was like, I was like, fine. And so I, I jump in the hole and sure enough, him and his friend throw a piece of plywood over the whole opening and sit on it. I'm immediately just like overwhelmed with fear. Obviously, any kid would be. But I'm like screaming and pounding on the wood, begging to be let out and it's pitch black, I can't see anything. And then I start to feel something just really sinister off to my right side, which was kind of where the tunnel extended was down to my right. And I remember like quieting down for a minute and just like looking towards the direction of this feeling. And I swear I, I could feel something slowly walking towards me as if taking its time. It wasn't in a hurry. It was, it, it was like almost like it was waiting for me to come down there. Like, that's just the energy, like, the vibe I got from it. And as soon as I felt this thing start to approach, I started shrieking, pounding on the plywood, just like, please, please, please let me up. And I could hear their, the muffled sounds of their laughter. They thought this was just the funniest thing in the world. And as it starts to get closer, I start to get more frantic. And I swear the temp it gets colder down there too. Like I, I swear on my life, it the temperature started to plummet. And as soon as this thing, I, it got right, it got like six inches from me. They let me up out of the hole and pull me out. Like while I didn't, it was too dark to see anything. It was an unmistakable feeling of like being stalked almost. Like, I was in its home now, and it had been waiting for me to go down there. And knowing that whatever was in that pit was also directly beneath our beds growing up was just, I don't know, that freaks me out a little bit. All right, so that almost brings us to the end of this first part. But before we go, there was a section earlier in Allison's story where she talked about her brother seeing a spiky static man walk into her room. And she sent me a photo of this thing. And when I looked at it, I was a little shocked because I was almost positive that I had heard somebody describe this thing before. And I was pretty sure that they had sent me a drawing of what they saw and it looked very similar. And this is pretty specific looking. This is not just like a classic ghost. This is a cartoonish, 
static electricity lightning bolt man. Like I said, I was almost positive that somebody on the show had described a nearly identical thing to me before, but I do hear a lot of stories in the process of making Otherworld, so I wanted to give them a call and ask them for myself. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, good. Sorry, to, sorry about that. I had to get the whole laptop out. Hello? Hey. Oh, there he is. How are you guys doing? Long time no see. Good, yeah. Oh, How no, you it's been? been a I've, I've been good. I've been busy. For those who don't recognize you by your voice, you guys were in the Man in the Hat episodes, Austin and Lucas. Thanks for jumping on with me. Of course, anytime. Yeah, absolutely. So I recently recorded an episode with a girl who is from Utah, and she described something to me that sounded really, really similar to what you guys told me about. You said you saw like a lightning bolt man, right? Isn't that how you kind of described him? Yeah, kind of vibrating yeah. energy. It wasn't like he was uh, like the color of lightning, but he was black and vibrating, sort of like you would think lightning would. Okay, her little brother saw something that sounded really similar, and I guess he drew a picture and she sent it to me. And when I saw it, I thought of you guys, and I want to just like show you this and see if this is similar to what you saw. So I'm going to show you right now. Can you see? Wow. That's exactly it. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> it just, if you can imagine that like vibrating with energy, that's it. For me, it had hands to it, but I felt like it was something that didn't keep like a single form. Like it kind of could move around and change, like, you know, make a hand if it needed a hand, more just like black energy. So yeah, that that's kind of what I picture when I think of it. For me, it's the same thing. Like this is this is basically it. But it's just the fingers were longer, and the feet maybe a little bit different. But other than that, it's like it's the same shape, same kind of thing that I saw. Did you? Are you surprised seeing this? Like this is pretty specific looking. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's weird seeing this. It, w like, was this in a dream for them as well? Or no, they saw this in real life. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. I, yeah, that's freaky. He's he saw this like walk into his room. Oh my god. Yeah, I wish I wish I could see their like what exactly what they saw too, because this is it. It's just like I all I can picture though is just the vibrating energy off it, like kind of like how it like the current moves through it. But that's the same same shape. Add the fingers. That's it. That's wild. It's pretty unsettling seeing that. I thought this was something like specific to us or like some form of Hatman, but maybe this is its own sort of entity. That's very bizarre. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Though. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Any final thoughts before I let you guys go? I just can't wait to uh, listen to this episode and I yeah, hear find this. out I more. Well, you're going to be in it. So. <laughs> All right. Good. All right. That brings us to the end of part one. We're going to be back in just a couple days with part two of this story, so stay tuned. You do not have to wait for long. Like I said, we're doing a lot more episodes than normal this month because it's October. I hope you're excited because I certainly am. We have a lot of big things coming, so be sure to tell your friends to tune in and listen if they haven't before. This has been episode 50. The title is The Pit, part one, and you've been listening to Otherworld. Yeah.
Other World is executive produced and hosted by myself, Jack Wagner. Our theme song is by Coperman. The soundtrack of this episode is by Juice Jackal. The song you're hearing right now is Blast Furnace by Fugitive. This episode was edited by Jonathan Shiflett and engineered by Theo Schaefer. Our artwork is by Cul-de-Sac Studios. Please show us your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends about Otherworld. If you want to hear bonus episodes, you can become a patron at patreon.com otherworld. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at otherworldpod on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you to the team at Odyssey, J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Leah Reese dennis Rob Morandi, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Casey Klauser, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. Follow and listen to Otherworld Now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, if you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you can send us your story at stories at otherworldpod.com. Yeah.